0: If you have your Bibles, would you open them with me to John chapter uh, 14, and we'll be in John 14, 15, and 16 these next couple weeks. As you know, we're going through a series in John, and um, as we encounter these things, we're just simply going through the Word, and it's been so beautiful, and we've had a number of connections online. I think there were 1,800 people last week that downloaded or watched the message on the sermon blog, and it's grown to over 208,000 the last six years it's incredible um, what's happening there but um, for those online we, we, we anywhere on Facebook and YouTube we just have you know a few dozen sometimes or a few that are watching live but they always seem to watch later you know I think it's we've gotten accustomed to sitting in our pajamas on a couch yeah, it, wouldn't it be nice in the sanctuary if we had remote controls and you could just mute the preacher whenever you wanted you know or fast forward to the parts you thought were like oh, i know that already it's, whatever i i'd never want to do that right I, yeah, perfect um the title today i want to entitle called people with jesus power people with jesus power and as we're in john 14 15 and 16 let me kind of set this up a little bit and um, introduce it there are, there are too many topics to to cover So in these chapters, to do them justice in, you know, 35, 40 minutes here, it's to bring one central focus kind of as it relates to all the others is our goal. And so the work of the Holy Spirit here is articulated by Jesus. And there's two events that um, happen to, to drive Jesus's words. And last week uh, we looked at heaven. It was beautiful. As Jesus says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, um, you know, and if he's been... Preparing that place this long, I can't imagine the beauty and glory of that place that's going to be. And we talked about that, and it was a lot of fun. And you can, you know, go back and review that if you'd like. But two events happen here that really drive Jesus' words. First of all, Jesus has told him that he's, he's, he's um, leaving. And we talked about heaven last week, but part of Jesus' statement to them was that, hey, I'm going away. I mean, that's a big statement, right? I'm going away. You guys have been walking with me. You've been, we've been having fellowship together. We've been eating together on the road. How many have been watching the Siri chosen, the chosen? I, I, I tell you, I really am impressed because I don't really like Jesus movies. They always seem very hokey, uh, you know, kind of to me. And I hate to admit that. And you might, uh, don't throw things at me, but um, I have really gotten into this one. In fact, I had to binge watch it one night. It was like one 30 in the morning. I was falling asleep and I had to, I gotta go to bed, so. Um, but it's really good, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't been watching it, to watch it. It just a, very much puts the, the, the reality of the, the, the flesh of Jesus, that He came down in the flesh and he lived among us and walked among us. And anyway, anyway, it's just a beautiful thing. Um, that's my plug for that. Um, and, and this time, the disciples get the impression that he's not coming back. Right, so he's leaving now Whereas before he's saying, I'm going to go away I've got to spend some time alone with the Father I've got to pray, I've, I've got to go here or do this um, But we know what you're doing And he prepares them and, and like someone is preparing for their death He begins to tell them And that's what he's leading up to So Peter, as usual, he speaks up And he says, hey, you know, uh, you know I'll, I will go down with you, Jesus You know, I, I, if you go down I'll lay my life down And Jesus says, well, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Then Jesus continues his words, and they're words of comfort. He tells them, don't be afraid. He's going away to make a place, as we said. And then Thomas speaks up, and he says, you know, Jesus, show us where you're going. You know, give me the coordinates so I can put it in the GPS. You know, I want to know how to get there. And Jesus says, hey, you know, I am the GPS, the way and the life and the truth and so when we when you see me you've seen the Father he says and we went over that before that he and the Father one the Holy Spirit and the triune God and the, the doctrine of the Trinity which is so significant but and Philip speaks up hey Jesus show us the Father and that'll be enough for us so we have some people some of the disciples speaking to Jesus during this this whole time and and Philip he said again Philip I and the Father are one you got to be listening here you got to catch this Philip and the power of the Father is in me. So whatever you ask in my name, I'll do for you. And so, and so we find ourselves in chapter 14 here, and we come across verses 15, 16, and 17, and, and Jesus is opening the door for them to see. And I want to read this, see some very important things. And so let's begin reading in verse number 15 of John 14. He says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, here for the very first time, Jesus opens up to them a, a tremendous revelation that I'm not sure they had seen before, if you will. He says, "I have come in human form as a man, a figure, and I have messed up the world with my love." I have come down, and I have messed up this world with my love. Well, the world is looking for a conquering ruler, Messiah type. The zealots—that's what they wanted. Um, he says, "I have come to show you a freedom beyond anything else." So I'm—I'm I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm sending God and the Spirit to be with you so i'm not going to be with you forever not only does he say this but in in one portion of scripture jesus uses a descriptive term to show one of the purposes of the holy spirit to him he says that he will send them another counselor and and you'll find different words in this version of the text the greek word parakletos is is an intercessor it's a it's a counselor it's a an advocate or a comforter and i want to use that first part of the term, because we're going to look at the different ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives in a few ways, at least today, not all of them. The first of all, he's our comforter. He's our comforter. So Jesus says, you'll have power to be alone. This is new. We've been walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus, and he has been around, hanging around us. But he's saying, wait, I'm sending you someone who is just like me, he's going to be with you. Friends, have you ever grappled with that concept? Let me ask you this question genuinely. How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? If Jesus says, I am sending you another counselor, a comforter, who is God and reveals me, do you have a relationship with God like that? You know, the Bible says that being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us press forward, right? Now, I am not going to make any claims that those who have, that we love have died and gone on before are looking down on us from heaven and cheering us on. We do know that God is, though, but I, I want to pose this. This might mess with our theology a little bit. I think when somebody comes to Christ in heaven, I don't necessarily believe it's the angels that are rejoicing. I think the heavenly host includes all those who have gone on before. Now, I'm not saying that they see you in your life down here, but Paul does write with such, or the writer of Hebrews, I shouldn't say, uh, but with such a great cloud of witnesses, and then Paul writes the same thing, that, that we are looking, if we were to see that, we would see that there are people cheering us on. And when I think about this scripture right here, Jesus says, I have someone who is like me in my power, the power of heaven, the power of the creator God who is cheering you on. He is your comforter. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've needed comfort at times. We name things for um, comfort. We have comforters at home, blankets, right? I believe in one very part, I think it's probably in the Bible somewhere, mashed potatoes and gravy comfort food <clears throat> you know i'm looking forward to food after after church today there's a lot of things that we think bring us comfort there are chocolate brings me comfort right i i, I just it, it is one of those things that i just we went to uh, dinner after at men's re, men's retreat and and um we had you know, a sandwich, or I I had a a tortilla thing, I think, uh, and uh, Phil had something else, and we're sitting there, and we're talking, and and I said, you know what, I'm gonna get whatever death by chocolate thing is here, and so I did, and it was this big piece of chocolate, and I nearly ate the whole thing, and it was just like, oh, it was glorious, it was just like, wow, this is awesome, Lots of things that we have in our life that bring us comfort. Nobody wants to live just with the thorns, right? We we don't want to sleep on stones. We have a nice comfortable bed. We we don't have um, we don't ride. Um, Certain brand of motorcycles, Harleys, because we know other motorcycles are faster and better. They're more comfortable. We have all these things, right? We have opinions about things, like I just shared one with you. We have all these things that, that are more comfortable for us. Well, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And I think you know more than just the practical sense of how your flesh is feeling. A comforter is the most comforting in times of great distress. When we lose a loved one or we go through a terrible tragedy in life or we lose our job or career or, or we're faced with difficult situations in our home we enjoy the comfort and consolation of our friends and family we that's good I have recognized in my life when I have ventured into terrible things and things have been hard when I've had somebody to talk to Amy has been my comforter my sister my wife has been my comforter there have been people that I've looked to but the great thing about God is that Jesus says, I am going to send you someone who's also going to be with you. You Imagine the disciples' relationship with Jesus and what it must have looked like walking and talking with him and being with him and sleeping in the same places and eating around the table together and, and having this kind of fellowship and relationship, these strong connections following him for three and a half years. He, he was out there and they were with him and they're they're doing everything and doing life with him. Now he says he's leaving them. Your best friend, your teacher, your guide, your, the one who has shown the most profound wisdom and healed the sick and, and raised the dead, and, and you've seen amazing things, and yet he calls you his friends and his inner circle, and he is leaving. Jesus says, well, don't worry about it. I'm going to send you someone else. Do you think of the Holy Spirit that way, friends? That Jesus is a friend like that that sticks closer than a brother. Psalm 34, 18 Scripture says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It also says a wounded spirit who can bear, right? So we understand the need for comfort. As a parent, you've had a taste of this of this um, kind of power right when your children fail or fall or they're discouraged you come alongside them and you console them and you encourage them I I have been in the same situation and I I felt I've, I've beat myself up really bad and I've had the comforting words of my father give me comfort I've done this for my sons I I told the young people a few weeks ago when I was doing Wednesday nights in there I was not in the adult class but for three Wednesdays I was in with the youth and that I that I things that I regret that I should have said to my dad you know when he had passed on because um, I I it, well, I didn't cry really when we were at the funeral memorializing him and and all that but it was later on when I would see things or smell sawdust or you know th- that I I suffered and I I needed the Holy Spirit to bring me counsel and comfort and he did friends our heavenly father gave his son to pay the price he gave the scripture says being a parent will cost us something right i use the illustration of parenting because when you know when they start walking you you start you change diapers no problem they start walking that's so cool it's worth celebrating but then the opening of drawers thing starts coming and you start to have to run into problems right and you, you, you find things being pulled out of places and on the floor. And where did this come from? And you have to begin to protect. And back in the day, it was the, the organized DVD and CD collections. I don't know how many had those. Um, you know, younger people might not know what CDs are, but we had them before iPods and iPhones and, you know, and MP3s and all. Anyway, but we and organized. And, and, and Justin comes along and just knocks the whole thing down. You know, it's all out of like He's sitting up there in the balcony. I can pick on him, right? Um, he doesn't care. He's just playing fun. And then they're out in the soccer field. And they run. And they fall. And you just do. You know they have to get hurt, right? I don't forget one basketball game we were at. And, and Brandon's out there. And we're so proud of him. He's playing basketball. He's just a little guy. I mean, these guys weren't very big at all. And he gets the ball. He's so excited. He runs. It makes this basket. I'm jumping up. woo And everybody else looking around. What's going on? He made the basket at the wrong end of the court. And the enemy's camp, right? I didn't care. You know? Yeah, go, Brad, you show them. And then he, he's like hitting himself. What did I do? It's, all, it's okay, son. It's all right. You did a good job. They learn to color. Then they learn this new word, no, right? No problem. They run and they do all these things in their, in their piano lessons, in their choir. They earn good grades and not so good grades and all of that's no problem and in that that willingness to to let them go is hard but then this big transformation happens in their life. They, 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 they get around those puberty years, and a whole new world is introduced. Uh, a different kind of music becomes interesting. And, and if you have boys, girls become interesting. And you know they're different. Girls are different. They have different shape. And suddenly, there's an appealing, there's no problem. We had a friend years ago. There's a pastor and a friend, and they were in our wedding, very good friends. And she said when she was a little girl, she had gone into uh, that school, and the, the kids were playing tricks on her, so they pushed her into the boys' bathroom. And she was, came out, and she was all angry. She put her hands on her hips, marched down the hallway to the principal's office, opened the door, and said, I want to know why the boys have drinking fountains in their bathroom, and we don't. Well, it wasn't a drinking fountain, i tell you that much. We knew that. Boys, what's different than girls? Well, girls have long hair. Okay, girls have long hair. Well, there was something a little more different than that. They're good kids. They have good friends. They love the Lord. They love, you know, people. And, and then perhaps the most sacrificial roles as a parent comes of letting go of control, right? And it's letting go of their choices their, or their college plans maybe or helping them and guide that but it's not even letting go of some of those things letting those things go it can be hard and it's difficult to let them go I cried when Brandon got married because he was moving away from me right <laughs> my baby's gone one of the toughest things that parents lose is hard to let go though is that little round thing inside the car called the steering wheel that's hard to let go and then you have to repent for your white knuckles for years to come. But this is where we really hold on in our times of brokenness and surrender and letting go of things that have hurt us to the scripture where in Psalm 34:18 the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Letting go of those things that hurt is, as, as we weep and, and we have difficult times in life, not only are we weeping because maybe our kids have grown or things have changed, but when things, tragedies happen in life, that's some oftentimes where we are having to let go of stuff. Letting go of things is hard and being rejected is hard. Rejection is a very difficult thing. And, and, and I know this is true in all seriousness, we need the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is our counselor. Part of comforting is giving good counsel, and Jesus magnifies his role as Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our counselor even more after he tells him to follow his example and obey his commands. Further down in chapter 14, verse 25, look what he says. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do I do not give as um, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When you think of a good counselor, I'm sure you think of someone who listens well. Uh, how many know that listening well is good? Well, God is a great listener. Aren't you glad that he's a good listener? God is the greatest listener, and he loves to encourage you. And, and you also enjoy someone who, who is a counselor who speaks into your life and encourages you with the words they say. How many are ever, have ever been around somebody who just always pulls you down? And you encourage, you do your best, but you after a while you begin to say, I don't know if I want to be around them. How many are glad that God doesn't feel that way about you? Even though sometimes we may be annoying or we say the same things over or we keep falling into the same stuff, God still encourages us. He gives us the best advice. And a good counselor is someone who is able to give good and, and great advice to, to us that makes a difference. A good counselor will see beyond the surface issues and deal with the root problem in matthew chapter 7 verse 24 jesus says therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rains came down the streams rose and the the winds blew and beat against the house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock i love this picture that jesus paints because it has to do with building mostly but I love the picture and the imagery that it gives about a solid foundation. There are some things that are not solid in this world. They're slippery and they, they go away quickly when the storm comes and the rain comes and the challenges in life come and the hardship comes or when when you, the income is gone or, or when your, your spouse is, is, is doing things they shouldn't or, or there's difficulty in the home or you're having tough time with your kids all of those things are trials all of those things are difficult and when those storms come friends when those things begin to happen how's your foundation because let me tell you your counselor will always give you the best advice to keep your foundation strong and spending time with the counselor is, is really good because he digs down deeper than just what's on the sand. I, you've been to the beach, right? If you stand at the edge of the water and the, the water begins to come under your feet and you're there for a while, and after a while your feet become buried. And and you can lean harder on one side, it'll go deeper because the water continues to erode the, the substance underneath your feet and the sand comes up and you keep, it keeps moving around. But being solid, standing on a rock is, you're not wavering. You're not moving. You're solid. And Jesus does this for us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says God, Jesus says He is our counselor and that He will give us wisdom and words. Are you a good listener to the voice of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean to you? You say, Pastor, what does that mean? What does it look like to be in fellowship with God is to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit? You know, this last week we were at Westgate Chapel. Some of us went to this prayer conference, and it was just amazing. And they have, you know, it's it's a it's a huge church there. It's been it's a very you know it's got a great reputation around it. Edmonds. It's quite a drive, but when when you're in the sanctuary for their Tuesday night prayer, they're just all over the floor, and we're crying out to God, and it's just it's a, it's a chaotically orderly. I can't put it any other way. It's it's a beautiful mess. It's I know those are oxymoron terms, but there is this place where you're drawn into because of the intensity of the prayer and the the desire the people have for God where all of the deacons of the church are on their face before God. They're the leaders in the church that way. They lead in prayer. They, They sit on the front row. They raise their hands. They worship. And all the kids, all the young people are crying out to God because the men are leading by example. And they're, they're you know, I'm not, they're nothing against women, but that's just the way that it is. And, and, and you see this and you recognize what is happening here is that there has been an impact by the Holy Spirit in their lives. They have had an encounter with God, so they're so hungry for God, they have nothing else. He is our last thing. He is our point of desperation. He is everything. A relationship with the Holy Spirit is who we must have, what we must have. How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you hear God speak in your life through promptings? And when you read his word, does the, his wisdom of his word wash over you and jump into your heart? Because there's a lot of surface issues and there's a lot of things on the sand, but God wants to dig us deeper down to where we're on a solid foundation. And, and we don't maybe like our job or we don't have a job. We don't like ourselves. We, we have real fears, all these things, insecurities in life about where we're going or what's happening around us or in our marriage or relationships. And all of these things are happening. And Jesus is saying, hey, the answer to everything is my presence. Just the presence of God. Just the power of God on display. A good counselor will always ask you things that are uncomfortable to ask. They are harder things. Foundation is harder to dig in hard ground. A good foundation because it's solid ground. And that's the purpose of their counsel, a good counselor to change the direction that we're going in an area of life. And the only way to get that counsel is to be in the presence of that counselor. A good counselor will tell you to do uncomfortable things to achieve uncommon victory. He will console, but he'll require change. And change that is constant, why is that? Because if we don't like where we're going, we've gotta change directions. It sounds so simple, right? But I th- believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And years ago, I'm reminded of a, a wife that came in to the office, and she was distraught. And we were talking there, and um, another lady, one of our el- elderly ladies, was in the meeting. I Always try to have that, and she was there. And as she was sharing, she was saying, my husband's looking at things that I'm not really happy about. And uh, so we had him in, called him in. I said, you know, we, we need to deal with this. And he said, he knows, he was broken over it. And I said, well, here's some things we need to do. Here's a prescription. First of all, you know, I wanna give a couple guys in the church that, you're, that are gonna call you and pray with you. And I want you to meet, you know, together with us and pray. And he said, okay, I'll do that. Then I, I said, you're gonna have to be more dedicated to looking at different things. So here's what I want you to do. We're gonna, we, I want you to take this software um remember the integrity software years ago? I want you to put it on every computer in your house. I wanna I d I. this was back before uh, cell phone, uh, smartphones. <laughs> this is I'm kinda dating myself here. <clears throat> but I said, and we're gonna you're gonna make sure that this is all regulated. He said, No. Sometimes there are things we come to to a place where God wants to do certain things. Among them you know, I said, you're gonna meet with these guys, you're gonna read this book called Every Man's Battle, and I want to discuss it, we were gonna do this, but when it came down to doing the thing that mattered the most, he said no. Um, not that many years ago, uh, we were praying, uh, had a service about God's power to deliver, and a woman who, um, just a wonderful woman, loves God, um, was she was severely overweight, and she said, Pastor, I believe God's talking to me, and I, I want to change the habits, this is uncomfortable to talk about, right, okay? I'm just saying. It's like we'll talk about but I want to say it. And I said, I said, well, what do you feel like God is telling you to do? And she laid out this plan. So I know what I have to do. And God said, I said, well, that is so, and she was so moved and so powerful. I said, would you like to share your story? She said, no. See, a good counselor will listen, but a good counselor will also tell us what to do. The Holy Spirit, these are hard words, but the Holy Spirit will tell us what to do. His word tells us what to do. And there are some times where we come to the buffet of God's word and we only pick all the sweets, all the chocolate. And God says, at the buffet, there's also the grains. There's also the the good proteins here. You got to eat the good. But no, what do I want to do? I want to fill up with mashed potatoes and stuffing and gravy. I want the pizza and the cheeseburgers. I want everything that thing has to offer. God says, wait a minute. There's more to my word than that. A good counselor will listen and encourage and be your comfort, but he will also tell you to do the hard things as well. Let me ask you, are you willing to do the hard things that God has been speaking to you about? Jesus is the one who gives purpose to his disciples. And when they were fishermen, Jesus is the one who healed the sick when they were incurable. Jesus is the one who gave hope to the hurting when depression and, and uh, seemed to be the only way out. Jesus is the one who pulled Peter out of the water when he was, in, when he was interested in drowning, apparently. Jesus is the one who, cl- who calmed the storm uh, while on the boat and the disciples didn't have life jackets. Jesus is the one who rose from the grave. Faith in Christ and believing Jesus and, and, and trusting the work of His Holy Spirit in our life is, is more than a band aid. He's not a crutch, He's a stretcher. We totally rely on His presence and power. Let's let's try to bring this in for a landing. Can we do that? Well, you don't, know, but it's my job, so anyway. Crowd's a little quieter than usual, a little smaller than usual, so you're not. So, same band. And then, okay, I still know you're alive. It's okay to do that in this church, all right? Um, you know that. The Holy Spirit's a promoter. What do you mean by that? Well, the Bible uses the word advocate. It uses the word advocate and testify to, to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, these are interesting words. In John chapter 15, for the, the next chapter over in our text, in verse 26, he talks more about the counselor's work. Look what he says. And when the counselor comes, whom I will send to, to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. That's his job. That's what the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit draws us to the goodness and love and grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you grateful for that? Amen. Praise God. And verse 27, And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So, first of all, the Holy Spirit promotes Jesus. John says here that the Holy Spirit promotes Jesus to us, but, but through us promotes Jesus to the world. That our sole job in this world is to experience the presence of God and promote Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God, and he promotes Jesus, and he talks about Jesus, and we have the same job because we are filled with the Spirit to promote Jesus and to talk about Jesus. It's Jesus in your word. Is Jesus in the things you say? Is Jesus in your life? Is Jesus in the things you watch and listen to? Is Jesus in your language? What comes out your mouth reflects what's in your heart. Only 50 years ago in America, you would have little trouble making these kinds of promotions about Jesus, because there was kind of, in 60 years, there was kind of an underlying understanding of sin and that Jesus is Savior now this competition for Jesus is has been cell phoned and YouTube dried right out because there's so many ideas friends we got to keep talking about Jesus we got to be a, a, a ministry and talk and min, uh, lifting up his name and when we talk about Jesus promote Jesus uh, today there are among the most controversial things in the world is about Jesus that God is real and created everything and He's a ruler of everything. That Jesus is God. There's quite a statement. Jesus is the only one that saves from sin and death. I mean, you got all kinds of problems with pantheism and, and karma and universalists with that statement alone. Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? Tell that to the Buddhist or Hindu or the Islamist or, or the good karma. Those things are that's a that's a contentious statement. But when the Christian says it, we say it in love. Because the Holy Spirit through us communicates Jesus, John six forty four. The Bible says, "No man comes to the fa- comes to me, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day." That the Holy Spirit's work pulls us in. The Holy Spirit sent from the Father. The Holy Spirit through Jesus. The Holy Spirit in and through us promoting and talking about Jesus. Then the other thing He does is the Holy Spirit promotes conviction. Now, there's a lengthy portion of the text I want to read from from chapter 16, and in the next weeks ahead, we're still going to be in these three chapters. There's so much here, but I'm picking different topics as we go through. They're related. Verse number 5 all the way down through verse 16. So read along if you can. I think I got this one on PowerPoint. Yeah, I do. Now, I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me where you are going, because I have said these things you are filled with grief, and they're sad. He knows this. They, I'm going away. Remember we talked about that earlier. He's walking with them. Now I'm I'm leaving. What? Are you leaving? Because they know his words. When he says something, he means what he says, right? But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes. Listen to this. It's like, it's like the words are settled down all of a sudden. You ever see the, uh, what is that? The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? In the first scene where... Um, the one dude is talking about, and when Aslan, and you know, in the movie, all the music changes, and they're talking about Aslan, and all, they're listening to the words, and I imagine that's what happens right here. All of a sudden, Jesus, he comes, he comes down to this point, and he says, there, there's much more than I have to tell you. I have more to tell you, more than you can bear, but when he, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all things to say, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, That is why I said, The Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while you will see me no more, than after a little while you will see me. Verse 29, he says, In regard to sin, the Holy Spirit's work, because men do not believe in me. And and isn't that great? You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? That God is the one who saves, and and I don't. (laughs) That's what I get out of it, Right? I'm glad that God is Savior Jesus is Savior and I'm not I'm glad that that when somebody still has questions that maybe I don't have the answer to that that I can still plant the seed and pray for them God is the one who saves them praise God for that he is Savior he is Lord the good news is the Holy Spirit does this work of conviction he comes in and I'm sure you've experienced his conviction haven't you when when you know he's leading you a certain way or you're walking in a, a sin or doing something and his spirit has brings some conviction to you. And and the Bible says here, Jesus say guilt in regard to sin, right? So we understand the purpose of all that and, and so that we can share our story because not one of us in this room is perfect. And we're so grateful for the grace of God. And those that are doing this and you're engaged in the Holy Spirit. We have a, a positive atmosphere around us and we do that because God is working in your life. So this only happens if we are people of the Holy Spirit. He, look what he does here in, in verse 13. He guides us into all truth. There's so many things here. He will tell us what is happening. He, will, he reminds us of the promises of G, that Jesus gave. And, and he will comfort us when the rest of the world doesn't comfort at all. There's no comfort in this world. If you're not living a life that's in relationship with the Holy Spirit, friends, I want to encourage today, we need to change. We need to be able to come to God and say, God, I am so sorry for for just saying I believe and yet not walking and following you. And to simply take time every day to get quiet before God and ask him to fill your heart and your life with his presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. There can, we can be careful then to observe what happens and, and see that God is really changing us and working in us. So so we can live like more like Jesus. We can strive to be more like Jesus because of the work of the Holy Spirit. This is opposite the way the world thinks. And I'm so grateful that God does this in our life. And and God does amazing things. And I think the reason that is so indifferent the way that God does things to the world is, if I were to put my finger on it, it would be that there's a reasoning in our culture in our world today of complacency toward the things of God. And friend, I I wanna challenge you that The relationship that God has and desires for us is not the one that kind of we've built in our mind remember a couple years ago I had a box up here, maybe you don't, and there, there were six parts to this box, and I had my my cordless nail gun up here, and as I put each part of the box together, it was an excuse of things that we think God is, and, and how we create this box, and we put him in this perfect box, and we, we like to carry our box around, because it the box included things like my experiences, since God's never done that in my life, then I don't care what anybody else says, even his word, I am not going to trust him for that. And the same with being filled with the Holy Spirit or, or walking in the way of the Spirit since maybe we've never lived that way It's just not something I think God is so I'm not gonna go there but friends. We need to destroy the box God doesn't live in any box. He doesn't live by our preconceived notions of, of what our experiences only have taught us He is bigger than your experiences he is bigger than any box or, or philosophy of this world. He is, he is greater than, more grandeur than any design of human architecture could ever think of. God is great. He is bigger than what you think and what I think. And in our era of complacency is sort of like, yeah, I'll go so far, but I'm not going to quite dive in. Oh, I've been making this plea for, for 30 years in the ministry. I've been preaching the same message for 25 and a half years at Abundant Life Church right here. Let's break out of the complacency and get to know Jesus. And quit saying, God, my expectations are this. My expectations from church or the pastor's words are this. My expectations are that because they didn't work out, no, I'm not going to trust you. Well, your expectation needs to change to expectancy. It's whatever God gives you are grateful and you're going to run with that. Friends, I'm saying that maybe we need to just wake up. I remember one time, Years ago, Pam and I were a, this couple in our church, and they're wonderful people. And they got into our minivan, you know. We liked minivans because we have four boys, and they can just pile in with all the stuff wherever we're going, whatever we're doing. So we got in our minivan. We had this old Ford Windstar, right? And we drove this thing, and and for years, just until like six years ago, at the church, I had always deferred my salary. I got paid like. $30,000 for, like, 15 years in a row, up until just five years ago. Uh, so they gave me a big raise, like, five years ago. Oh, it was a huge raise. I mean, I, I make so much money now, ah, oh, I blush. Anyway. But, it, you know, that's kind of what it was, and I deferred it because I wanted to hire a youth pastor. I wanted to do this and this and this. So we, we had this old Windsor and I was working another job the whole time. 17 of the 25 years I was here, I had a full-time job or, or had a business. And so um, we were driving this minivan, and it was just, it was ours. I mean, it was our van. We, we owned it. It's nice to own your car. Don't go in debt for a car, it's stupid. Anyway, so sitting there driving there. So we went to pick them up, and we thought we'd ride with them. He's a colonel. They're, you know, they're, they're better to do, I guess, in a lot of ways. So anyway, but no, they're going to ride with us. So we got in our van, and. Um, I heard about it the next week that I didn't have floor mats in my van. And I put myself under such pressure to live up to the fact that I didn't have floor mats in my van. And I couldn't stop thinking about it because when I got in to ride the car with them, they had floor mats in their cars. And I just didn't realize that because I didn't have floor mats in my van, I was a second-rate person. And 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 I was succumbed to pressure, and I took my last $33.50 to buy floor mats just so that they would be proud of me that I had floor mats. That's not the the kind of conviction we need to live under. And I tell you what, you think it's funny, but you do it too. In some way or another, the same thing happens. And you compare and you look at, and all of a sudden you, you have all these pressures and guilt, and we do it spiritually. We look at the church and we say, I could never be like, so I'm not even going to try. Because that's what a Christian supposed to look like and what they're supposed to, and that might be, they might be maturing saints. And so I'm not even gonna, I'm just going to lay down, I'm going to let my sleepiness take over. I'm just going to just get by, I'm going to attend and pay my tithe, and that's going to be it. I got to tell you, since the church gave me a raise, our income has more than doubled in the last five years. I don't know why I told you that part. That's beside the point. The point is, the conviction that comes from God isn't always the stuff that we inherit guilt for. Friends, when you dive into his word, let his Holy Spirit speak to you. Let his Holy Spirit talk to you. It's good to look at those who are mature in the faith and say, boy, I aspire to that, or I want that, or I, i'm so glad i would love to do that or those are that's okay but don't kill yourself trying to achieve it when 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 that's just a person god might be wanting to tell you to do something different don't have contempt for his spirit don't have contempt for his church don't have contempt for the things of god and his word this kind of contempt is not overt sometimes we we, we just want to stay in our comfort zone because we're comfortable. And God says, that's not the kind of comforter I am. As you're striving to live for me, I'm going to give you comfort as you make progress. I'm going to encourage you on your walk. Somebody who's sitting in a chair with a remote control eating Cheetos all night. <clears throat> I shouldn't have done that last night. <sighs> Spiritually, right? Right? And what happens? We get lazy. We we don't engage. We don't pray. Do you value the work of the Holy Spirit in these regards? Is he your comforter? Is he your counselor? And does he bring conviction that you're listening to and responding to? How you act reflects what you value. And unfortunately, there's a big difference in we say we value and how we behave if there is no seeking Jesus in life there is no life we it's easy to act like a Christian it's how we react that defines our faith if we're hoping for God to turn things around and and we're changing nothing our hope is in contempt for the work of the Holy Spirit rather than cooperation